Hello and welcome to the Dead Man Walking Podcast. I am your host, Repeatedly Dead Fred, author of the medical trauma memoir, The Summer I Died 20 Times, which is uh, an Amazon bestseller at the moment. How long that lasts? Who knows? Congratulations, Fred. Thank (laughs) you. And the lady I'm interviewing right now is a big part of that. So welcome, Jen Stevens, who I consider the queen of intermittent fasting. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) And multiple bestseller, uh, I guess, Fast Feast Repeat is at the top of the pile. And I have to tell you, whenever I'm on a podcast, whether I'm hosting or I'm a guest, that book is right beside me because fasting always comes up. And that's what I, that's what I recommend as my fasting Bible. So for the audience, if you're not sick of it already, got mine right here too. (laughs) (laughs) I was just working on my, my new book that's coming out in December. I finished it, but I was going back looking looking at some things as I was writing it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's satisfying. I hope in a couple of years I can look back on, on my book and, and find it so satisfying. And I probably wouldn't even have a book if you guys want to see that little forward by Jen Stevens. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have a podcast or a book if it wasn't for you and no. uh, the inspiration you gave me and so many others. Well, thank you. That does a teacher's heart proud. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if your audience may not know, but I was a teacher for 28 years. So I like nothing more than inspiring other people to go out and do things right. No matter what mm-hmm. it is. I love that you're, you're a writer now and you're a podcaster. That makes me happy. Oh, me too. So do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? And then we'll get into some of the hard questions because this is, you know, hardcore Uh, journalism. Okay. You can ask me anything, Fred. I just don't have to answer. (laughs) (laughs) So I am 53 and I am, I've gone through nine holiday seasons as an intermittent faster now. And it's just what I do. Um, But prior to intermittent fasting, I was somebody struggling with my weight and- Mm -hmm. I was obese at a time. I weighed 210 pounds in the spring of 2014. And, you know, I have a doctorate in gifted education. I'm a smart person. And yet I could not get off that diet roller coaster up and down, up and down, always yo-yoing. Spring of 2014, I hit 210 pounds. Didn't recognize myself and the family photos from a spring break cruise and came home and said, you know, this is it. I've got to stop. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't feel good in my body. I've got to do something about this. Um, Went on to lose 80 pounds, got to my goal weight in 2015. And I've been maintaining ever since, even as I've gone through menopause. So it is like, this is the time it's stuck. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) always good, good news. So if you're not familiar with some of Jen's work, she had the intermittent fasting podcast with Melanie Avalon, which she's since retired from. And uh, of course, intermittent fasting stories, which is, you must be close to episode 300. Today I recorded episode 302. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's just amazing. That's a lot I, of hours behind the mic. That really is, you know, the one I did with Melanie, the intermittent fasting podcast, we did that one for five years. We never missed a week. So five years of never missing a week and then intermittent fasting stories, 302 episodes. And I'm not planning to stop every day. New people reach out and want to tell their stories. And, you know, you might think that after 302 people, there's nothing new, but 
every conversation is fresh. And Fred <laughs> has been a guest on that on that podcast. <laughs> oh yes, that's what I deem the world's greatest podcast ever recorded. <laughs> it was certainly a really good one. Thank you. Um, and you just started podcasting on a whim, right? Like you just put well, out it's, one of your grip, one of the look, groups. This, it's the it's the universe that that made it happen. But I was on a podcast. I had my Facebook group. They were small this time. I had, I had two, but they were small. And somebody in the one meal a day group had a new podcast. I can't even remember his name or the name of his podcast. It was not a dieting mm -hmm. podcast or a fasting podcast or health podcast. It might have even been political. I'm not really sure, but he reached out and said, I'd love to have you come on my podcast. And I'm like, well, okay, I'd never been on a podcast before. Mm -hmm. And all right, I'll do it. And so he had me on his podcast as a guest for the entire episode. And I talked about intermittent fasting. And then when I got off of that episode, I was like, you know what? I think I think I did a good job with that. I wonder if I could do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And the next week, like... I'm not making this up. Literally the next week, Melanie Avalon made a post in the One Meal a Day group and said, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I'd like a co-host. Anybody interested? And so I was like, well, I guess there's my signal right there because I was yeah. thinking about it and there she was. I, I think it's amazing. You were on one podcast and then your next thought is almost, hey, I can do this. Well, I've always been a creator, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, even when I was a kid, I was always thinking about what I could create and what I could do. And if we had had the technology back then that, mm -hmm. that we have now, I'd have been self-publishing books and doing all that at the age of like 11, because mm -hmm. I always wanted to like start a magazine or just, you know, I was always creating things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it just, it just seemed like, yeah, you know, I like to put it out into the world you know, so, and let people mm -hmm. find it. Have you ever figured out what caused you to get over your innate shyness and put yourself out there? Yeah, I'm super shy. <laughs> Much to the dismay of my elementary, middle, and high school teachers, I would talk to anyone you put me beside. Mm -hmm. And they they were not big fans, but it's turned out to be my greatest gift. Mm -hmm. So um, you used to have uh, Facebook groups that yeah. had cumulatively, I guess, close to 500,000 uh, members. And uh, I was a moderator in, in the larger group. And thank you for allowing me to, uh, to wreak havoc on your community. Well, thank uh, you for all the work that you did. It was not easy to run that size of a group. It was, it was, it could get crazy. Let's just put it nicely. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, we had a, a messaging conversation. And I oh, said, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed that you didn't get off Facebook like a year earlier. Like, well, I know. And it started to feel, it started, I, I, I love mentoring people with whatever it is, mm -hmm. honestly, whether you're writing a book or doing a podcast or starting mm -hmm. intermittent fasting, I love to help people learn how to do things. And that's really how I got started in the Facebook groups. And they grew beyond what I ever dreamed they would grow to, <laughs> to the point that all it was, was management. It became mm -hmm. like, like, you know, when you're a classroom teacher, you like teaching, you like getting to know the kids, but you don't like disciplining the children. That's what the mm -hmm. Facebook groups turned into. It was nothing but management, you know, damage control, you know, people had hurt feelings and it was just all of that, but none of, none of the good stuff. I felt like I was the assistant principal. Of, <laughs> that's the one who has to be the disciplinarian, the assistant principal. That's not the fun mm -hmm. job to have. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I did it as long as I could. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody, when, when I love Facebook, someone made a really negative comment and they said, oh, Jen thinks she's too big for Facebook. And I'm like, actually, it's the opposite. Facebook got too big for me. And, you know, I'm you know smaller community now and I love it because I get to interact mm-hmm. with everybody, whether it's tell Fred a joke day or whatever. <laughs> I had a really good one last night and then I forgot to write it down. Oh, <laughs> oh well, the group will survive. <laughs> So do you want to tell the uh, the audience a little bit about your new group? My new group, you can find it by going to jenstevens.com slash community. Jen is G-I-N. Stevens is with a P-H. jenstevens.com slash community. And when we first left Facebook, Fred, you were there with us. We left and we went to a platform after I looked at, you know, the biggest ones out there who offered the most, you know, for a paid community platform, we made the wrong choice. Initially, we went to a platform that had actually been around since 2012 that I thought would be one of its biggest strengths. You know, it boasted some big name, um, like Harvard Business School or something. I don't know. Some mm-hmm. some really big name companies used it for their membership site. So I was like, you can't go wrong with this. Well, we got there and it turned out in practice when we started using it, it was very clunky. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, you're your granddad had built a website back in the first days of the internet and hadn't updated it except by putting things on top of old things. So everything was Mm -hmm. always broken and nothing worked. So we were basically trying to work with maybe 2012 infrastructure. I'm not sure. Um, We, we spent a good deal of money on that website, on that, that platform, but it was so impossible to use that we only were there from March until September. And then we pivoted and we went to a new platform and the new one much better fresh mm-hmm. and new and it was brand new within a couple of years and um definitely like some some new tech guys <laughs> who mm-hmm. were fresh out of college started a a new um a new platform so i learned the difference with technology mm-hmm. older isn't always better and you know you really need to it's okay to make a mistake but you need mm-hmm. the you need the technology to work. So we are in Circle, which is the platform we're in now. And um, and I just love it there. No one argues. Everyone's kind. Everyone's helpful. It's just a great place to be. Yeah. So I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think last time I checked, you were almost at 8,000. Well, the number, when you look at the membership list, it's a little bit... Um, a little bit misleading because that everyone who's ever joined with a subscription shows up mm-hmm. in that membership list, unless they deactivated their account. If all they mm-hmm. did was cancel their subscription, they're still there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when they deactivate, they go away. So we don't have that many active members, but that's how mm-hmm. many people joined and did not deactivate. So that, that's like they're, yeah. they're active members, but they may not be active subscribers at the time. Mm-hmm. That's still a phenomenal uh, amount for a private so. subscription company. So yeah. kudos to somebody who had like zero business experience, true. you know, you've <laughs> created like, for lack of a better word, this little empire and well, you're now, you're not like little Ginny from the block anymore. You're like Jin the celebrity. Well, no, not a celebrity, <laughs> but it is true. I didn't have any business experience. You know, I was a, a teacher for 28 years and my husband was a college professor. So Funny story when I um when I wrote my my first book Delayed on Tonight I wrote mm-hmm. it uh, it came out the beginning of 2017 and so you know I'm earning money from self publishing all this time and I'm like you know I feel like I might need an accountant because I don't know what I'm doing so I'm I went in to meet this accountant 
in, um, I think it was early 2018 based on my work in 2017. And he's like, have you been paying estimated taxes? I'm like, what? What's that? <laughs> I was like, no, I didn't know. I was used to getting, mm -hmm. I know you're not in America, but mm -hmm. you know, we have, we have W2s. They withhold money for federal taxes. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was doing. So he got me all straightened out. I learned how to do accounting and use QuickBooks and <laughs> it's been, it's been quite a learning experience. Now you can teach a master class on this. Well, I don't know. I could teach a master cat class and how to find an accountant who knows what to do. That's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're, I want to revert or, or, or shift a little to uh, bizarro intermittent fasting stories. So okay. I'm going to flip the tables on you and say, well, you know, I always want to ask how you came to intermittent fasting. All so, right. Jen, I can do that. I don't think I know this story. Well, it's really, you know, just my whole crazy diet background. I would spend, you know, like, let's say my, my students were at recess or something and I'm in my classroom and I've had a little downtime. I might just spend a little time on Amazon looking at the weight loss section. What are the new diet books that are out? You know, I had a little mm -hmm. dieting hobby because I was struggling with my weight and I was yo-yoing. So I was always trying to find that one way of eating or that one magical plan that would, you know, work for me. And mm -hmm. so every book that came out, if it was in the weight loss category and top of the charts, I was looking into that program and I would look at the reviews mm -hmm. and I would see what people said. And, you know, if it sounded really hard, I wouldn't try it. But if it sounded like, <laughs> you know, something that I could do, I would buy the book. And I would, I would try it. So I had quite a diet book collection. So I guess the first intermittent fasting books that I came across were mm -hmm. um, like the fast five diet and lifestyle, Dr. Burt Hearing. Mm -hmm. And there were some alternate daily fasting books that, that came up. And I also was on like bulletin boards. Do you remember the day of oh, pre-Facebook? Yeah like bulletin boards and you, where you could find a bulletin board about a topic. It was on the internet and it would have like topics, th threads, things would be organized. You'd go in and read about them. And some of them would be like pages and pages long. And I would just read and, you know, anything new that I could find, I would, I would be interested in. So starting in 2009, my, the earliest works I read were Burt Hearing's work. I read Eat, Stop, Eat, um, which was Brad Pilon. He was a bodybuilder and, mm -hmm. There were the alternate daily fasting book. There was one called the QED diet or something. And it was like eating every mm -hmm. other day. And I, I tried them all, but I didn't understand because all the books, all of them, every single one that I just mentioned pretty much had the same premise. And that was fasting or alternate daily fasting or eating in an eating window, like with Bert Hearing or, you know, the eat, stop, eat. It only worked because you were eating fewer calories. That was, mm -hmm. that was the, the, what every one of those books claimed you're, you're doing the, some sort of fasting and you were eating fewer calories. And so we didn't understand metabolic flexibility. We didn't understand being fat adapted. We didn't understand the role of insulin. All we knew was this lets me eat fewer calories. I don't have to diet all the time, just every other day or until 5 PM or whatever. And then I can just do what I want. Also, the eight-hour diet came out maybe around 2012. So I was mm -hmm. always dabbling. 
and I would try, you know, a few days of alternate daily fasting, and then I would take the weekend off or go on a trip, and then that was over. Or I would try to do fast five with a five-hour window, but I wasn't fasting clean. We, we didn't know what that was, and so mm -hmm. I was always white-knuckling it, and I would do it for, I don't know, five days, then I would quit. But that was the story of, of all my early experiences. So from 2009 to 2014, I would try intermittent fasting, but I never gave myself time to get adapted. I wasn't mm -hmm. fasting clean and I always kept quitting. So I was basically living in the hard part over and over again. It never got mm -hmm. easy. I never became fat adapted and it never worked for me. So you were doing like the groundhog day of uh, non-clean fasting. It's true. It's yeah. true. And But still, I mean, I'm proud of myself because I didn't quit forever. Mm -hmm. I finally, I finally was like so desperate that I was like, I'm not going to quit. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I started in 2014, still wasn't fasting clean, still didn't know anything about that. Hadn't read anything about Jason Fung yet. Still thought it was just because we were eating fewer calories. But for whatever reason, I was so tired of being obese and struggling that I was like, this time I'm going to do it. So I mm -hmm. managed to white knuckle my way without the clean fast to losing 75 pounds and white knuckled it through, you know, the first most of a year of maintenance. And then the one thing that changed everything for me, do you know what that was happened in March of 2016? I'd say you met me, but no, that didn't happen until 2018. <laughs> That was when the obesity code came out okay. and I had been following Jason Fung's blog um, and it was learning some things there about insulin. I was like, whoa, this is, yeah, mm -hmm. I had no idea about the cephalic phase insulin response when the obesity code came out and he talked about how, you know, sweeteners caused your body to release insulin thanks to the cephalic phase insulin response and how having high insulin keeps you from burning fat, which is the opposite. Everything really clicked. And that's when I started fasting clean. We weren't calling it fasting clean yet. We didn't come up with that name until at some point in 2017. But when I went to what I what I now call the clean fast, and the rest of the world calls it the clean fast too, although maybe everyone mm -hmm. doesn't know where it originated, which was with us. But um, once I started fasting clean, it changed the whole experience. I was no longer mm -hmm. white knuckling it. It was no longer hard. I knew I would never quit. And you know, I had started to slowly regain a little weight over that, you know, first year-ish of maintenance. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started fasting clean, it all fell right back off. And I got down to even five more pounds from my initial mm -hmm. goal weight. So I got down to about 80 pounds lost and the clean fast changed it all. So I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that I understand what it was like to not fast clean, but mm -hmm. I'm even more thankful that the obesity code came around when it did, because, you know, otherwise I was slowly regaining. I feel like mm -hmm. intermittent fasting would have been another thing that I just didn't work again, you know, if it wasn't for the clean fast. Well, you know, I've gained a little uh, fluff back, as they say, and uh, it's not surprising given the stresses I've had in my life, the, right. you know, over the last couple of years. So I'm not too worried but I know the fasting is still working. And this is also something we wouldn't have known from Jason's original book uh, because he doesn't really get into the non-scale victories. Right. And I know all the other corrections that my body has made and is still making that haven't gone away just because I've gained like 10 or 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. Now, and, I wonder, do you have any idea why you might just the stress? Also, I wonder if it could be COVID related, the gain. 
It it could be. I mean, I've had COVID four times. Like once right. I really, I really got why. hammered the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I've also had uh, a heart surgery and, uh, uh -huh. you know, changed my living arrangements and I'm not going to get into that, but you know, so, and my mom passed. So that's a, a lot to pack into a very short period of time and then learning how to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The so, reason I mentioned COVID is we're seeing people who had been weight stable for a while in maintenance, and then mm -hmm. they'll have a bad bout of COVID or even one that didn't seem so bad. And then all of a sudden they start to gain weight. Um, and it's just anecdotally, those examples are kind of piling up. It's like mm -hmm. certain, certain COVID infections can take hold. I don't, we, we don't really know exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's inflammation, maybe it's doing something in the gut, but for anybody yeah. who's been doing fasting for a while, if you see a sudden change, think back, did you have COVID recently before the weight gain? And that could have something to do with it. We don't really know, like I said, exactly what the mechanism of action might be, but it's mm -hmm. happened to enough people that, that it's something to think about. Yeah. I actually was doing a book signing yesterday and a woman came up to me and she was walking with a cane. I asked her what happened to her. She said, and this is not to go all conspiracy theory on you people. So calm down. She said about three hours after she had her first booster, mm -hmm. she was totally paralyzed. Oh, that's like, a shame. And and she's working her way back. And uh, yeah, COVID just does strange things. Well, it's novel the, the whole time. They've told us it was the novel coronavirus. And so when something's new, we don't really mm -hmm. know what the long-term effects are going to be. So we'll just know over time, I hope. Mm -hmm. So one of the members in uh, the circle group um, asked me to ask you, what do you think your three most influential fasting books have been? The ones that I've read? Yeah. Okay. The, well, I don't, hmm, here's the thing about fasting books. Um, mm -hmm. I would like people to start with Fast, Feast, Repeat and mm -hmm. follow the advice there because pretty much every other fasting book is going to steer you slightly in the wrong way when it comes to the clean fast. Like Jason Fung, who taught yeah. me the importance of the cephalic phase insulin response also says, look, cream in your coffee shouldn't matter. And of course, you mm -hmm. know, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And so you just have to read the others with the understanding that, you know, go back, you know, if, if it has something different about the fast, you're never going to go wrong following the clean fast as specified in fast feast repeat. You know, following mm -hmm. some of the other advice has the potential to go very wrong, but following the clean fast is not going to be a problem. It can only help you. So when you're reading other books, keep that in mind. You know, of course, I would have to say the obesity code just because mm -hmm. I learned so much about how the body works that was new to a lot of us before he wrote that book. And so that was very influential. The problem was when I finished reading it, he didn't really tell you what to do. You know, you had a little yes. bit of the appendix. And it's like, you can try this if you want. It's like, I'm like, wait a minute. What? Where's the plan? What do you do? And mm -hmm. so that was one reason that I wrote my first book, Delay, Don't Deny, because um, in the fasting communities or my friends, just people in general, they saw my success and they're like, what should I read? I'm like, well, you can read the obesity code, but ignore what he says about the cream. And also, you know, you probably don't want to do the alternate daily fasting to start. That's what he has in the back mm -hmm. and eating windows better. So you can read the fast five Dr. Burt hearing, but ignore what he says about diet sodas and putting fruit in your water. You don't want to do that. So I had all these disclaimers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just need to write a book where all the good advice is in, in one book. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's really why I wrote a book. Um, so the obesity code, 
And, you know, the other books I would suggest are really not fasting books. Like I would read Mm -hmm. Why We Get Sick, Dr. Benjamin Bickman, because when you Mm -hmm. read that, you understand the importance of insulin in general. And while we don't want to be constantly spiking our insulin and having high levels of insulin in our bodies and why we want to fast clean. And mm-hmm. you know, why you don't want to risk a cephalic phase insulin response because you're drinking a zero calorie diet soda or putting, you know, creamer in your coffee. Um, and it's so much more than just calories in, calories out. So why we get sick is a great choice for that. And number three, you know, a book that's come out recently that's really changed a, a, for a lot of changed things for a lot of people is the um the glucose revolution. Have you read that one yet? No. The glucose goddess, Jessie, I can't pronounce her last name. She's on um, Instagram as the glucose goddess, but she, Mm -hmm. you know how I am super interested in personalized nutrition and how we all Mm -hmm. have, you know, we're all different when it comes to how foods work in our bodies. Um, But Jessie, it has really made a name for herself by tracking her blood sugar response to what she eats and working on keeping her blood sugar from spiking and crashing. And that is a tool that, all of us can use to to be healthier because what we don't want to do is eat something, have a giant blood sugar spike, and then a crash. That's not good for us. Mm-hmm. And so she teaches you how to, you know, it's just the order that you eat your foods, for example, or mm-hmm. you know, having an apple cider vinegar cocktail at the beginning of your meal, you know, or to open your eating window, you know, can keep you from having the huge blood sugar spikes. So is she a big proponent of the CGMs? Well, yeah, yeah, she she is a definitely a big proponent of wearing a CGM because if you don't wear a CGM, if you're trying to do it with finger sticks, like I I've never tried to do the finger stick method, but I have worn a CGM several times. Awful. I mean, I have done a finger stick. I'm just saying I've never tried to track my blood sugar with one. It sounds I don't think I'd like it, but with a CGM, you put it on, it lasts for two weeks, but you see everything. Like I've, I learned, I had some very interesting patterns. If I, when I opened my window, like let's say I'm in the fasted state rolling along, my blood sugar settles down into the seventies, you know, as I'm going along, it's steady right there in the seventies. So maybe it's like 78, let's just say when I first eat my blood sugar actually would go down a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. And right after I ate, which is not a surprise because there's a cephalic phase insulin response. It was cool to see it in action. My body said, oop, food's coming in. We need a little more insulin. And so what did that insulin do? But it would lower my blood sugar a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it would happen before the food would actually get into my system. So I would see a little dip in my blood sugar from the insulin. And then as the food was being digested, it would start Mm -hmm. to come out and I would see my blood sugar start to go up. And then I would have like a, my curve was usually like a dual curve after I ate, which I understand is like a healthier curve to see it up and down and up and down. But, you know, if you're, when you, when you understand sampling, you know, if I had sampled along the way, I might've missed the high. I could have sampled the low and I wouldn't have seen the high. And so that's what the CGM allows you to see is what happens over time, because that's what really matters. Not just one moment in time. Blood sugar is mm-hmm. incredibly variable, which I did not understand until I started wearing a CGM. So now like it, like people don't even stress me out at all. They're like, well, I had my fasted blood work and my blood sugar level was 92. And then I went back and it was 98. I'm getting worse. I'm like, no, you're not. That is meaningless. 
you know, yeah. just could have been, you walked up a flight of stairs before you had, I mean, just blood sugar just goes up and down and up and down all day long. And mm-hmm. so when you, when you truly see that you, you want you, it's very powerful to see. That's why I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of wearing a CGM when you can get one. I think everyone yeah. should be able to get one. Honestly, it's such a powerful health tool. First, all the diabetics should get one. And then everyone else who's interested in preventing lifestyle diseases should get one. Mm-hmm. I, I think what we're also going to find out as people get healthier and we do more research is that um, your your doses of insulin in response to food will also learn to be more matched to the food that you eat. So right. because if you've been diabetic or metabolically inflexible or whatever phrase you want to, to insert in there, um, your body just does an insulin dump. And it's but even better, know. even better than, you know, having to dose to get your blood sugar down with a CGM, you can learn how to keep the, your blood sugar from going so high at all. And so <laughs> you know, by, by changing the order of the foods, by combining what you're eating, you know, Jesse calls them hacks in her book, the glucose revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would not say let's start intermittent fasting. And then immediately you're also using a CGM and trying to no, <laughs> that's advanced level. You know, first mm-hmm. you need to become an intermittent faster, get adjusted to that, find a good fasting pattern then. And only then, if you're ready to start experimenting with some of that, you can, it's not required, but it is very interesting, but we can mm-hmm. do a lot to do, see how our, you know, to, to keep our blood sugar within a, a tighter range. And that's just better for health long-term. We don't mm-hmm. want to need more insulin. We want to need less by keeping our blood yeah. sugar tighter. So what, uh, what would be the wackiest theory on intermittent fasting that you've come across in, I guess the last <laughs> 10 years, because there's oh, been, Oh, I, yeah. could, I know the wackiest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was this guy, I'm not going to say the name of his group, or anything mm-hmm. about him, maybe people, I don't know. But, you know, back in the the Facebook heyday, there were all sorts of groups. There probably are even more than that now. I can only imagine. But there was this one group where the guy running it, he actually popped into my group briefly, but we, we blocked him. But his whole idea was there's no such thing as too much fasting. Can't do it. And if you're pregnant, it's fine. If you're breastfeeding, it's fine. If you're a child, it's fine. If you fast till you die, yeah. that's fine. You just fast as long as you can. Just fast forever. And they were doing some really dangerous things in his group. And mm-hmm. he had a little catchy name to his group. And he had a little special liquid that you would mix up that went along with the name uh, of his group. Do you remember that? Don't say no. it, but you remember? Well, we no. had um, also they were drinking their own pee in that group for a while. At that point, I think he was just pretty much like, let's see what I can get people to do. I think he was like yeah. punking, punking people by that point. Like if you did these certain things and invited a hundred people and did all this crazy stuff, then you got unlimited. I don't know. It was nuts. He was trying to just grow his group as big as it could be, but it was like crazy. And, um, we, we had, and when we were moderating in the Facebook days, you remember we had certain keyword alerts that if someone mm-hmm. said a word that we would get an administrative alert that we needed to go lemon. look at it. Lemon, lemon was one of them. Lemon. 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 Because there, <laughs> anytime someone said lemon, it was usually in the context of lemon works for me. So we knew mm-hmm. if someone was talking about lemon, we wanted to have our eyes on that conversation. You know, pancake was a was a keyword oh, alert yes. that the scammers were would pancake us. That's a long story. Fred knows it. But this this weird 
fasting plan, we had that in the keyword alert. So if anybody was talking about it, we could see it and we could remove all of the, um, mm -hmm. the, the instances of that happening because we, you know, we want people to be safe and mm -hmm. fasting is a safe thing to do, but it also can be really dangerous. So can anything, mm -hmm. right? You know, I'm drinking right. water right here in my Wake Forest cup and water can also kill you in multiple ways. So, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't make water bad. You just have to use water safely. Same thing with mm -hmm. fasting. There are ways to use fasting in a dangerous way. And the, one, of the, one of the biggest problems was making sure everyone was using it in a safe way. Mm -hmm. I think that gentleman must have confused ketones with ketones. <laughs> Something, I'm not really sure. But that's when yeah. I realized he was probably just... I don't know, seeing what he could get people to do, like, mm -hmm. you know, like some of those TV shows where they're like, you know, trying to get in. Anyway, I don't think he really was serious. He can't possibly have been serious. Mm -hmm. I hope. Okay. What about the most positive thing that you've seen? With fasting? Yeah. You know, for the most positive thing is for people to learn to trust their bodies again. And that's mm -hmm. really the, the, terrible part of diet culture that we've, you know, I told you I haunted the diet aisle of Amazon or any, any bookstore or physical bookstore. I'd go up and down the aisle and try to find, um, you know, a diet book. And we lost trust in ourselves because people were always mm -hmm. telling us exactly what to eat, exactly how much to eat, when to eat it, count this, count that, don't eat this, don't eat that, eat this only, you know, and so we, we really lost trust and that inspired a lot of us just to quit and give up completely. And that's really what mm -hmm. I was doing in those years, right before I hit 210 pounds, I would try a little bit and then I would give up because it just got so hard. So one thing that I've learned with intermittent fasting is that I can trust my body. I can trust mm -hmm. how I feel. I can trust when I'm hungry and when I'm full and I can do all that through the lens of intermittent fasting. You know, when I open my window, I know when I've had enough to eat, my body tells me back when I ate right. all day long, my body couldn't, I mean, I'd lost touch with my hunger and satiety signals. And even now, if I started eating at eight in the morning, I would, you know, eating all day does not work for me as far as my hunger yeah. and satiety signals, but fasting has helped me reconnect with that. And so that's what I want to see for everybody. And the whole idea that we're each an experiment of one and, mm -hmm. you know, the foods that work for me, the fasting schedule that works for me, it's not universal. And, you know, there is no one best way to do intermittent fasting other than fast clean and then find an eating window or, or a schedule that works well for you and makes you feel good. Because unlike diets, you know, the longer we did a diet, the worse we felt, you know, we would start to want to binge. We felt awful. We fell off the wagon. Unlike diets of the past with intermittent fasting, which isn't a diet, it's, it's a, it's when you eat instead of what you eat. But with intermittent fasting, we should start to feel better and better over time because mm -hmm. we're, we're healing our bodies. We're getting back in touch with things. So if you, if you're doing an intermittent fasting approach that works well for you, you will feel better and better and better over time. Once you get past the adjustment hump. And if you're not, that's a sign you need to make some changes. You know, we say, tweak it till it's easy. Your goal is mm -hmm. to you keep tweaking it until it feels easy. If it doesn't feel easy, mm -hmm. either you're not adjusted yet, or you haven't found your tweak. Yeah. So I know we don't have enough time to actually go through this exercise, but have you ever counted how many diets you actually tried? Oh, no, I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> I did play a fun game with Chad one time. We were driving to Florida and mm -hmm. 
as like, all right, let's play a game where you name a food, any food, and I'll tell you the diet you were not allowed to have that on. <laughs> I can do it for any food, literally any food. I could, I could tell you. And there's probably multiple diets you couldn't have it on. Oh, can we do I'm that like, in the group? Well, sure. That does sound fun. But, mm -hmm. you know, that that's the thing. I mean, literally every food, there is a diet that tells you that food is going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. So That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, to quote you in your intermittent fast stories, we are almost out of time. <laughs> so how can people find you? and your books and your community and uh how can they benefit from just knowing you as well, i well everything leads to me through jenstevens.com so it's g i n stevens with a p h jenstevens.com there are links to my books links to my podcasts and links to the community all in there and you know for anybody who um doesn't know a lot about fasting i would start with fast feast repeat and mm -hmm. when you're ready to get going, the 28-day fast start chapter will tell you exactly what to do. Make sure you understand the clean fast. And I would stay really close to our work at first. You know, when you start venturing out, you'll start to see the advice that's a little more questionable out there. And But you'll be informed enough so that you won't be like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> you'll understand not to not to drink those fasting teas, for example. And mm -hmm. um, You want to have a really strong foundation of the clean fast before you do anything else. Okay. Somebody just approached me to have a friend on hit on my podcast uh, because she's into intermittent fasting and mm -hmm. she's part of a group that's developing a product that you need to have while you're fasting. I said, <laughs> is it perhaps exogenous ketones and electrolytes? How did you know? Look, I wish that you needed that kind of crap in order to do intermittent fasting because I would be a multimillionaire because I'd be selling the crap out of it, but you mm -hmm. don't. So look, yeah. people, I mean, I would make so much money selling people junk that they don't need because people mm -hmm. would trust me and they would buy it. So the fact that I am not trying to sell you that is not because I don't like money. Money is nice, but it's because you do not need it. So I don't care who tells you you need this device or that device or this tea or whatever you don't <laughs> you don't need it exclamation point Mike yeah drop. okay well thank you so much Jen I've really enjoyed talking with you and to the audience thank you for tuning in to the dead man walking